You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. It is a history lesson. So again, what is our story? Even if you've been here for five minutes, it's still good to know what the story of this place is. Um, What is a church of Christ? Um, As I said, Jesus, or God, right through the Bible, constantly ask them to remember their story because it defines who they are and it's the same with us if you look in your church news in the middle this morning um, if you don't have one that's okay there's a note there's some questions because part of what makes church a christ or anything that makes protestant uh, when we deferred through the reformation from the catholic church we suddenly became able to not just how do i say this What I say isn't the final word. What I think, what I interpret, isn't the final word. And so we have the ability to have the Holy Spirit and question and ask. Everyone does. It's dangerous, but it's true. And so take some notes. When we're preaching, when we're going through this, especially our story, take some notes, wrestle it over, and ask yourself what this means for you over the next three weeks. Don't just, for 20 minutes take what I say and go, that sounds good, I'll go with that. Go home, wrestle with it, pray about it because this is important stuff for the future of our church. So what is a church of Christ? I'm going to tell four stories rather than give you just a history. I'm going to tell you four stories of four major people in our movement. And the first person I'd like to introduce you to is a guy called Thomas Campbell. And I'm controlling this today, so I'm staring and it won't. Everyone say, hey, hi, Thomas. <laughs> there we go. Checking your way. Thomas Campbell, a Scottish preacher, uh, arrives in Pennsylvania after immigrating from the UK in the 1800s. It's reported that he left because he was sick of the infighting and conflict within church denominations. Sick of them fighting each other. We're the best. You're wrong. We, we got it right. You got it right. You well, they weren't saying that. You got it wrong. And he got sick of it, so he went to America, a fresh start. The open plains. There wouldn't be infighting there, he thought. And so he came with his uh, from a branch of Presbyterian Church in Ireland, Thomas Campbell. It was a time of fierce denominationalism, where the church took quite a conservative and controlling approach to how people read the Bible at the time. One of the stories that plays out in Thomas Campbell's life is you used to, in in that particular section of the Presbyterian church, you would have to meet with a minister that week, confess your sins, and he'd give you a coin or a token, and you'd bring that, and that's the only way you could have communion that week. And so you can kind of see at the start the idea would have been connection and accountability, and as per everything human, it becomes a way to control. So people would come to church. You can't have communion. You don't have the token this week. And so he saw that. It's actually part of his story and just said, this is not on. This has become a way of excluding people and excluding each other to Christ. Um, it's funny because the tightening in Christendom always starts off good. I think it always generally starts off with good motives. Um, we're trying to do what's right, but there's a tension there in any era where it can swing from good motives to control. 
um, from control to actually crushing something. And in this case, the church had crushed that anyone can come around a communion table through Jesus. And so he, he found this really hard. And then it got even worse because this was in the States. <laughs> so he moved away from it, but he only got into the States to realise it turns out everywhere people can be exclusive at times. And so there was infighting in the early church in America. And so they were squabbling amongst themselves, dividing over seemingly minor issues, and he noticed the true mission of Jesus went unattended. Uh, we're forgetting to go into our neighbourhoods, communities and families uh, because we're fighting over style or the non-essentials. And while the rest of the world literally went to hell, we were fighting. He said, where's the mission? And so, um, he, he thought, sorry, I've lost some notes. He was reading, sorry, one day he was reading in, um, in John. And this verse came to him, John 17. Let me read just two parts of it. It'll come up here. I pray for them. Now, this is Jesus' prayer for his disciples. This is Jesus praying for us. So it gives us some hints and what he expects or what he desires for us. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who have given me. For they are yours. He's talking about the Heavenly Father. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer. So Jesus is going to leave. But they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be the one as we are one. Jesus talking about the Trinity and the unity found in that. And saying they can participate in this unity around us. That's his prayer. Skip ahead. Um, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. He says it again. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Campbell realises that Jesus himself wanted us to be unified. In fact, it's our unity and love for Christ that is the very thing that draws people to the Father. He saw churches that would never agree on things unless they found common ground, some place of unity. That was his heart. It's funny, side note, 250 churches on the Gold Coast or it can be more, I think, and they barely talk to each other, if we're honest. Um, around four to five churches in Queensland are looking, churches of Christ now, are looking at possibly next few years could close their doors, simply because they refuse to look at the bigger picture, the bigger mission of what Jesus is about. 250 just general churches on the Gold Coast and they don't talk. I think we can relate to Thomas and his thoughts 200 years ago <laughs> on something needs to bring us together for the mission. There's this quote, uh, and it's kind of paraphrased Thomas. We need to invite people to find common ground in a simple, uncluttered reading of the Bible without external creeds and interpretations in order to build genuine unity and camaraderie and respect and a sense of family among Christians and the church tribes. 
so that our neighbourhoods will get a proper first-hand experience of what it looks like when God moves in to the neighbourhood. Thomas' goal was to bring a movement. He actually notes, I don't want a denomination. (laughs) He didn't want churches. Under church, it's okay. But he started as a movement. I just want a movement. And it's heart, unity around Christ, our commonality. Church of Christ is a movement based around unity. Not unity for the sake of unity. Not just because it's nice. Not for comfort. But no other reason but the mission and seeing his kingdom come. Unity for the sake of the mission. Well, that's Thomas. Everyone say, see you, Thomas. <laughs> um, I'm making sure you're awake through our history lesson today. So, Barton Stone. Everyone say, hey, Barton. <laughs> you don't have to, don't know what, yeah, like, what's he going on about? But I appreciate you humoring me. Barton with the curls. <laughs> he was another Presbyterian minister from Kentucky who was equally uh, disillusioned with the division among the churches. He was sacked from the Presbyterian church because of a big event called the Cane Ridge Revival. They basically ran this big camp um, or somewhere between a camp, a festival, um, somewhere between Byron Bay Bluefest and Woodford Folk Festival, a combination of the two, 20,000 people came and they prayed and worshipped. In fact, the only reason they stopped is because the, the, the animals, the horses, were starting to eat all the grass. There was no more grass left for the animals to eat, and so they moved on. But it was wild. There was healings. There was, it was it kick-started an actual massive movement um, they singing, preaching, and discussion. It was a revival-type atmosphere with many people having their lives transformed. Um, it's actually recorded that it's perhaps the most significant event in what's known as the Second Great Awakening in US history. Interesting enough, um, the, uh, predominantly female. To every two guys, there were three females that got converted and a lot of young people, majority young people, um, under 25 were also converted in great number. And so, so radical was this festival, they sacked him. But what was his heartbeat? What was Barton Stone about? And what, what drove 20,000 people to this festival? It's because Stone's message was this. Faith is available to anyone who believes and everyone can respond to God's love and acceptance. Barton Stone preached that repentance and faith was the only things needed to be put right with God. In a very real sense, people got away from the mess and went camping. (laughs) And in the freedom of that environment, God was present. And he revealed himself to them personally. It didn't matter what church they came from. It didn't matter what church they went to. He showed up. In fact, they didn't even ask him to join a church after this. They said, go home to your local church. And so the churches actually exploded, not just a church. Churches actually exploded from this festival. It was a Jesus preach that was accessible. The religious and powerful didn't have control of the festival. The bells and smells, there was no table, no linen, no creeds, none of that. 
long-winded words, no comfort. It was just the gospel being preached and Jesus turning up. Church of Christ is a movement based around a Jesus that is accessible and tangible and for everyone. It's at our foundational level. Church of Christ is a movement based around a Jesus that is accessible and tangible and for everyone. Barton Stone's message. These two great forces, Thomas Campbell, his son Alex and Barton Stone, brought their followers together and they formed what is known as the Restoration Movement. A movement that would restore the church back to the essentials and to unity. A people movement that focused on calling churches to unite as one, not just so we can get together, not so we can all agree on every single thing, but so we can get on with the mission, boldly going to every dark place and proclaiming the love and grace and favour of God available to anyone, anyone who would believe. This is why Church of Christ are churches centred, unified, unapologetically around Christ. Churches of Christ. Barton Stone. Everybody say, see you, Barton. <laughs> My favourite. My favourite guy. So, we're, um, we're in a, so we, we move over to Australia. The movement comes to Australia. And instead of building big cathedrals, we're known for building these white picket sort of sheds. Because <laughs> we're just getting on with the mission. So we've got like no, no, it's sad because... I wish we built some amazing big things, but it, it was just getting on with it, making disciples, telling people what Jesus has done. And so right across Australia, some of our oldest churches are just these white, big halls. Um, and uh, it's, 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 yeah, beautiful. Just got on with a mission. Town to town, plant a church, plant a church, plant a church. Stephen Cheek, I like him not just because of his name, um, and he spells it the dorky way. That's how I spell mine. The cool way is V. If you're a PH Stephen, you know that V Stevens are the cool ones. Um, that's an inner Stephen thing. Um, jealous of the V Stevens because um, they didn't get called Step Hen in school or Stefan by teachers that couldn't read my name. Not a celebrated theologian, not even a celebrated thinker, not even an expert or a book, book publisher or a megachurch pastor, rather a guy in the 1880s who was called to Queensland and started walking around it as evangelist. Driven by the simple, unified, uncluttered gospel of Jesus Christ, the very message Church of Christ was becoming known for. A guy born in England, 1852, then raised in Tasmania in the Brethren Church, he became a school teacher. Um, on all reports, phenomenal teacher. And then um, he had an epiphany when he encountered Jesus. And then a second epiphany when he encountered some Church of Christ documents. And he said, this is what we're about. The uncluttered, the straightforward message of who Jesus is and that we're allowed in changed him yet again. And he left teaching and went and became an evangelist planting churches in Tassie and in Victoria with intense pushback. How's this? One quote said to him in Bream Creek in Tassie. There was this group of men in the town that said, if you continue to preach, we'll tie you to a tree and your flesh will be separated from your bones. So he went later on to baptise most of those men by reports. At the time, 1882, Frederick W. Troy requested that an evangelist be sent to Queensland. 
So nothing was really happening in Queensland at that time. And through a series of events, a conference actually said no. The denominational head said no. But they went behind their back and he met with Stephen Cheek, Troy, who felt um, the call to Queensland. So Cheek arrived in Queensland uh, with no definite funds, not even the proper attire and just one suit of clothes that he was to wear as an evangelist in Queensland. In less than a year, he baptised many. He planted churches and started the Church of Christ movement in Queensland. Uh, Something about his passion, his boldness, his bravery to give it a go for the sake of Jesus, to step into places to face danger and persecution, to have a crack at it, we might say in Australia. He had a crack at it. I love the comment that he notes that Queensland, when he first meets Queensland, they're very lazy, very laid back. Um, 200 years ago, not much has changed in Gold Coast. (laughs) And so he found it quite hard to get through to them, but he did. This pioneering movement of this young guy having a go, he didn't have a Tim Keller strategic church planting guide. He didn't have a building discipleship culture series. He didn't even have adequate, adequate seasonal clothes. We'll find out why in a moment. He started walking around Queensland and planting churches and making disciples. It's this pioneering spirit that's been, is part of our story, your story in Churches of Christ, the DNA of just having a go at it. Oh, spoiler alert. He had less than a year of ministry in Queensland because before he set off in a 40-kilometre walk, he didn't check the weather and didn't pack the correct attire and he did die of typhoid. Um, his, his grandkids and great-grandkids aren't alive, so it's, and they're not in this church, so we can... It is kind of funny how he didn't plan, <laughs> um, but it's just radical. I'm going to walk 40 kilometres to the next town and I can convert them. I won't even pack a jacket or check the weather. Um, part of me loves that, that have-a-go spirit. And less than a year, he started Church of Christ Queensland. Final story today. Beryl Whitshire, born in 1920s Melbourne. She was also a pioneer. She's quoted saying, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. A lady who had the same drive and passion as Cheek, but perhaps a little strategy and planning attached to her mission. The daughter of Clive Badeau, if you are part of Church of Christ, history or you know history, he started our care department. He bought the first house for aged care um, and this is his daughter who would take on his ministry. Uh, oh yeah, her father bought a, um, the first home for a pound to start the uh, aged care, care system that is now Church of Christ Care. Beryl again made her father's story, the Church of Christ story, her story, taking over her father's work after his retirement. The reason I mentioned Beryl is it's actually, she represents more than just her. While the men were off getting, catching colds and going 40 kilometre walks and preaching the gospel, which was good, the Church of Christ story is actually known for a lot of the women at the time that were staying home, actually caring for the community in very real ways. Long before the men invented Church of Christ care, <laughs> they were doing it. Um, it's right through our DNA. Uh, one of the things I like, love about, I'm not going to talk too much about Burley, but I love Burley. 
has a really strong female care component to it. Uh, it's phenomenal. I love it. It's, it that's from our, I believe that's from our DNA. Uh, this care component. It's Beryl's story. Collectively caring for the real needs in their community, it's right through our history. Beryl was also special because at a time where she would have been known as Mr. Bill Whitshire or Clive Badeau's daughter, she was known as Beryl. She was known for her commitment and service in her own right. Her commitment and service also speaks to another Church of Christ characteristic, and that is going into the darkness, bringing the light in very real ways, meeting very real needs. Not just needs in the moment, not just as the saying goes, teach a person to, uh, or catch a fish for someone. She would teach them to fish for generations. And so community would grow and long-term development would happen. So passionate about this is that she actually mortgaged a home. Some reports say multiple times. We at least have one confirmed time she mortgaged a home to continue her work in social services. And she would serve for over 40 years. Perseverance and meeting real practical needs long term is again at the heart of Church of Christ. Church of Christ was never meant to be a denomination. It was meant to be a movement that unified people from all types of walks and all different churches under Christ. It's where sayings like, and a few people will know this, particularly in our second service, we'll be able to recite these. No creed but Christ. Where the Bible speaks, we speak. Where the Bible is silent, we are silent. And this is probably the most favourite Church of Christ sort of saying. We won't call it a creed because <laughs> there's no creed but Christ. But if it was a creed, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, love. So I'll leave us here. A, uh, a fairly young movement in the scheme of things. 200 years is fairly young for a church movement. We're a movement born out of a reaction and we're a movement born for restoration. Our movement has had darker days. Um, just a couple of examples of this. Again, when you create good things, human nature wants to use it to control. It's just what we do. And so Adelaide, Church of Christ, not now, but when it first got planted, they were going around, they took our communion and baptism principles, which were about saying, this is what Christ has asked us to do, so it's good, and they made it religious. We can't help ourselves human humans. So they were going into the local Anglican churches or any churches, knocking on the door and trying to convert them to churches of Christ, re-baptizing so they could be saved. We can't help ourselves. It's all in us. We find a good thing and then we it just leans towards control. One of the other things is during the uh, America with the African slaves issue, racial issues, we're one of the only movements that didn't split over it because of our unity, but in some way the wrong type of unity. So we're so about, oh, we won't worry about the other things, we'll just worry about Jesus, that we didn't actually have a voice into that. And that's always the dangerous part when you have sort of unity for the sake of it, not for the mission. And so we didn't actually speak into that. So we didn't speak for it. We didn't speak against it. It disappoints me we didn't speak into it. But we've, we haven't been a perfect 
denomination, but we've had our darker days. But our movement has been at its best when we are about unity under Christ and His ways, when we are inclusive, breaking down barriers and uncluttering the gospel, when we are pioneers, trying things, taking risks and being bold and brave, and when we're meeting real needs with love and looking for long-term development for our communities. This is our story. Please discuss, read more, take notes, pray, because the big question is, if that's who we've been, who are we now? Um, I mean, if we're, not, if we're not this or we're not moving on this and we're just burly, <laughs> whatever. But I believe, I love this story and this is our story. And so can I just invite us to pray about it? Consider it. I've got some questions there if you haven't grabbed them in the church news. Things like what character did you relate to and why? And so let me pray. And um, yeah, next week we're going to look at this place. It's going to be more interactive next week. I'm going to, I think I'm going to have a timeline up here and we're going to fill it up and talk about what has been good here and what we've loved and what has moved. And uh, then the following week we're going to talk about where we're going. Let's pray and I invite John and Sarah to come up. Father God, you, you want us to know who we are. Our identity comes from you, Lord. And we thank you for that. Every family has a story, Lord, and this is ours. A story centered around mission, the gospel, and unified by Jesus Christ. I just pray right now that whatever needs to stick out of this story for us individually, whatever we need to take on board as a community, you will stir within us. Everything else can fade away. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the work you've been doing long, 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 long before we were even a thought, (laughs) even existed. Under your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, team.